And the fact that most people wouldn't have even known because I was so good at putting on a mask. Yes. But deep down I was hurting and I did not recognize who I was. And I, I knew how to put on the act so that it wasn't too noticeable to other people, but it was an effort yeah. to do that. And through this journey, I'm realizing that I'm not the same person. No. I can't be. No. No. You know, and no. and especially when you've gone through a trauma, and I think it's been described to me in such a beautiful way. You, when you go through a trauma and it's like you as a person get shattered into a bunch of pieces. Imagine like a glass breaking and someone had grabbed this to me and I was like, yes, this is how it feels. So imagine a glass is broken and you've shattered yourself into a number of pieces. Over time, as part of the healing, it's realizing that that glass will never be the same again. Mm. Right, it will never be the same shape. It will never. However, there might be some beautiful pieces of it that you still want to bring back and keep and yes. use in the new glass. Welcome back to Stories of Being. I'm Ingrid, and each week I sit down with individuals who are challenging the way we relate to ourselves, each other, our planet in this ever changing world. In today's episode, I talk to Celine Hatcher. Celine is many things. She's my neighbor, she's a mother, she works for a big tech company, and she's also a very passionate advocate for those with disabilities. In this conversation, Celine shares her experience and story around Ava, her daughter, and her very rare condition, Treacher Collins. She very openly and vulnerably shares her own trauma and healing around this and the ways that we can go about the world celebrating each other's similarities and our differences. This was a really, really special conversation and I'm so in awe of Celine's love, vulnerability and strength and the work that she's doing advocating for her beautiful daughter, Ava. She's a wonderful person and mother and really just a beautiful example of how kind of openness, honesty and conversation really do have the power to change the world. Share all of Celine's information and advocacy work in the show notes and I really recommend checking it out because there's some really amazing tips in there and like from personal experience we kind of go into this in the podcast but I would have been someone in the playground if you know my daughter was looking at Ava or another child that looked a bit different to sort of say don't look or you know let's go over here for the fear of making that parent or that child feel uncomfortable and not knowing how to approach that situation and the way Celine talks about the celebration and the okayness with knowing that people are different and also the same is really powerful so yeah I really recommend that you check out her information and the work she's doing so please enjoy and yeah I'd really love to know what you think of this episode and yeah any feedback you have I mean I grew up in music so I was like yeah I was constantly singing songs recording songs all that kind of stuff and yet still every time I hear myself either singing or music in any way um yeah I hear it I'm like oh do you just still do it? Like it doesn't not not because it's bad, but I just it sounds so different that I'm like, is that what you sound like? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Your voice always sounds different to like hearing it back than hearing it as you just talk normally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you still sing and make music and stuff now? I haven't been making any time for it lately, which is really sad. I love 
music so yeah. much. Like I, I, like there was a period of my life where I used to just dedicate hours and hours and hours of playing piano, writing music, yeah, singing, performing. Yeah, wow. But yes, well, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but um, yes. So I haven't been making time for it, but. I it, it's like one of my happy places yeah. and so I really miss dedicating time to music and yes. piano it's, you know it's just one of those things that you end up everything else becomes a priority and especially ever since Ava came along yes but I have recently Ava's started to get a little bit interested and she's oh, nice. like let's go and play on the piano and so we'll go and sit there and it's just been enough to be like oh I can feel that old flame you know that yes. old fire that I remember sitting here for hours and doing it so I was like oh I need to start dedicating some time yes. to this one way or another and, and if it's something that like fills your cup mm, and is kind of so nourishing much. to you then that's and also it's a bit it's I used to use it a lot as my my version of therapy like yeah I never did therapy until recently yes and previously anything I might have gone through or whatever that was my outlet yeah okay I would do it through song I would write songs or whatever and I would get it all out in that way yes and so now it's almost coming back full circle and yes. being like oh I could I could get back into some of that and use it as a another method of of, um, of an outlet because yes. while I have found therapy now more recently I can think back to how much I guess how valuable music was yes. as as a way to sort through emotions or to just have that space. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the what the it's hard, sometimes it's hard to describe the feeling. Yes. <laughs> but and I'm just sure, sure many people will have this. But um, yeah, I guess music was always just a special place for me and my own time and space. Yes, I it's interesting because I I I love music as mm-hmm. in listening to it, but I wouldn't say musical in the sense of creating so Mm -hmm. I I don't understand how it's helpful in that way but I can imagine it's like you said it's an outlet and it's also maybe a way to process emotion yeah you know because you're moving through those emotions as you're either writing or singing or creating what it is it is you know so you can actually process the emotions through music it's definitely the process but it's also I've noticed my go-to when I'm feeling something because I'll just be walking along and something will pop into my head of like a, a melody or a lyrics or something will suddenly come in. And I always always joke with Jonathan, my husband, about this because I always say, you know, when you're just sitting around, you know, you know what, like when you have a clear mind, I always say to Jonathan, like, where does your head go? Like, what do you, what do you normally think about? And, and it's, it's always a funny conversation, but I always said to him without fail, if I'm just having a moment to think, my mind is creating something in the music space. It could be, and this is really random, but um, like stage performance choreography. And I'm thinking everything. Like my mind will suddenly go to, okay, so if that, if it was me or a performer singing that particular song, okay, so I'd have the lights come on then and then, yep, and then that, I'd get the people to come out at that point over there. And like I can visualize the entire thing in my head. But yeah, anyway, so it's for someone that's so, I don't think of myself as a creative person in my day-to-day life all the time, but there's definitely, when it comes to music, that's my, that's where my creativity comes out, actually. Did you ever think about like studying it after school or pursuing it or 
you know. Definitely. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's quite hard. I think I definitely came from a background where as my parents were always very supportive and they, you know, they did, oh, they're amazing. They did everything they could to make sure that I was, you know, getting to go to all the dance classes and the singing and stuff. And they did not have a lot of money growing up. You know, we, so I was very fortunate that they, you know, they, when they really had no money and I was, it was so young and I wanted a piano, they somehow managed to get me a piano and I, it's still the same piano that I have with me today. So it's really, really special I don't want to say regret because I love the things that I do now. I love my work and I love my job. Um, but, yeah, I do sometimes wonder yes. if I had pursued music, in what kind of space and capacity would that Yes. Be? Yeah. But I guess, like you said, now you've, like, almost reconnected to it. Yeah. It's finding those moments where you can when you've got yeah. a child and a family, you know, yeah. and a job and all of just normal life stuff finding those moments to connect to it yeah to like yeah connect to that part of yourself yeah I think what I'm finding as well though is that you can have so many different passions in your life like I am in my job I guess I'm not a teacher but I think of myself as someone that is teaching because that's what I I train people in you know commercial business but I I didn't realize I had that passion and I'm so passionate about teaching it turns out that wasn't something that it had been on the cards for me. And if I'd never gone down this road that I have, I, I wouldn't have found that. Um, and that's also how this has sort of worked into what I'm now starting to do in terms of advocacy as well. And, and the fact that I've created this Instagram account to become more of an advocate for people with disabilities because I'm enjoying that aspect of 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 teaching and helping to get information out there and any of those that want to be educated on the topic. I'm so I think it's, it's really incredible to see that you don't have to just have one passion in your life, you know, just one road that you pursue. Yes. Music will always be a passion for me without a doubt. But now I'm finding, and then I've, I've discovered that, Oh, I love teaching and Oh, I've now got a new, another additional passion oh. on that, which is being a bit of an advocate. And so I, I kind of, I'm also just loving life, just taking, let it kind of take you where you go. So yes. I guess in a way I really admire people that have a dream and they, they pursue it and they achieve it and they, you know, they really fight for that. I think that's amazing. And if you can do that, it's incredible. I also don't think there's anything wrong with letting life lead you where it goes. As long yes. as you are open to, I, I find it really sad when I hear that people, you know, it, it I, I don't know if you, if you, if I find that um, someone is doing a job that they absolutely hate and they can't stand even going to work every day or something like that, that I feel really sad for, for them because I just think it's not worth, <laughs> life's not worth living no. that way. But if you're open to making the changes when you think something doesn't feel right or if you're open to exploring other things, which is why I mean, I'm so inspired by what you're doing with with exper- you know, with doing this, with yes. what you're with with um with the podcast and and seeing where your passion takes you, right? Yes. So, if you're open to life that way as well, you don't always have to have that one dream that you're going for. It could be let's see what all the avenues are. Exactly, and I think <laughs> when there's that openness, you realize, like you said, what else you can be passionate about. Mm. So people might. I think sometimes I'm passionate about X has to be a big thing like singing or a really kind of maybe tangible thing like yeah. singing or art or whatever. 
but it could be teaching, it could be baking. gardening, bake, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So when you have that openness, like you're saying, there's more opportunity to then discover what else you're passionate about yeah. rather than just it being a more maybe narrow mm. view of what you can be passionate about. So then those opportunities open up. Yeah, just being open to trying different things, which is so unusual for me to say. If you knew me growing up, I had a fear of change, trying anything new. I was very much stick to my comfort zone and um, don't step one foot outside of it. A fear of failure, anything that I felt like, oh, I don't even want to attempt to try that because I might not succeed. That really held me back a lot, I would say, in my in my early years. So it's very unusual for me to now have experienced a few things and gone and made, I guess, realized that that only came because I was open to trying new things and trying areas that I didn't know and this job or whatever else that happened and seeing what would come my way. I think that's been a really good learning and a really valuable life lesson for me. And that's that the more you hold back from even trying, you are removing opportunities that could potentially otherwise come your way. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit sad to think that I for so long lived my life in fear feels like a strong word, but I guess, yeah, really trying to avoid anything new. Yes. Uh, but once, I guess once you do a few things and put yourself out there a little bit and realize that challenges actually just can achieve things or it helps you to grow, yes. then then you, you're suddenly much more open to all kinds of things in life, which is, which is where incredible things might pop up. Yes, yes, exactly. So before we kind of go into your story and everything that you're doing. You're off on a tangent already. No, but I love it. I mean, so much has come up in that, which is, uh, you know, really uh, beautiful, I think. No conversation is a straight line. <laughs> that's good, that's good. <laughs> and I never knew that you were – I did listen to your podcast the other day, so I heard that you were into music, but not – to the, extent, to the extent, and I didn't know that yeah. previous to that podcast. So yeah. it's, oh, it's such a nice thing to know about you as well. <laughs> but before, yeah, we kind of go into your story and what you're doing and, you know, your hopes for the future and everything. Before all of that, I really, I really, you have Ava who's yeah. four. Yeah, she's four. Just turned four, yeah. I just want to hear from you who Ava is to you as a person, like who she is as her soul and who she is a as a human being, not her condition, not what she's been through, but who, who Ava is yeah. as a person. Oh, man, if I can get through this without <laughs> crying. <laughs> I'm only <laughs> Ava is, and, and frankly always has been, just one of the kindest-hearted little kids I have ever had the pleasure of, of knowing. She's, from a very young age, she's always had almost that that sixth sense that you you know some people have of, of that of noticing I remember even when she was really young you know she could pick up on when someone was upset or you know someone needed a bit of care so um you know she's the kind of kid that she'll see me lying down on a couch or something and immediately she'll run off and get a, a pillow and a blanket oh. and she'll want to you know, get me all sorted out. She's also apparently, I got, get told this a lot at daycare, she's the one that uh, 
uh, calms down situations between the kids that might be having a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bicker between them or whatever. She's the one that, you know, is the moderator. (laughs) So she's always had that kind heart of wanting everyone to get along and really wanting to care for people. She loves being the you know, in quotes, big sister in the room. Yes. She will always want to care for it for a kid. Or often, often kids hate seeing their mother showing affection or holding another younger kid. Right? Ava's the opposite. She always mm-hmm. wants. If there's a baby around, she always wants me to hold the baby. And that's mummy, mummy. I want you to hold the. She she wants that kind of love spread. Like she's yes. just she's got a lot of love to give that kid. Yes. And I mean, you'll know that oh. she's. It's been completely from her own, um, not me ever saying anything, but we'll be walking through the shops and she'll suddenly say, I want to I want to give baby Auntie a card and wants to, you know, wants to drop off a, a card to someone's letterbox and, and, and a drawing or something like that. That just comes from her. I mean, I, I, that's just the way she's always been. So she's, if I was to describe her, I think she's always been just a very – very calm, very um, loving, very caring little girl who, yeah, who genuinely wants everyone to get along. Yes. I, I think that's that's what I see from her. She she really does um, notice when people in the room are upset or angry or, or anything like that, and and will show concern. Yes, you know. So, and she's also just she she's just loves doing honestly everything that. You can imagine that every other kid loves to do. Yes. She loves all of the sports. She's just she's the kind of kid as well. And something I'm very proud of is, and I, I might have told you this before, but something I'm very proud of is that she's a lover of all things. You know, so when it comes to, um, we will we'll even be leaving the house, and she'll say things like, "Mummy, I need my unicorn and my truck." I'm like, "Great, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing." I love that yes, combination. Showed multiple passions. <laughs> I'm <know>? loving that. <laughs> you know, and so she's yeah, she does. I think that that's the way I would describe her. A lot of love to give. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I mean, I've obviously only seen her with Andy, not yeah. with other kids. But, yeah, the way even that she, I just was thinking of the way she looks at Andy or interacts with her, it really yeah. is this really loving, nurturing, yeah. nurturing connected, yes. like, look in the way she interacts. So that, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's definitely got that that caring it just it seems to come from within I don't I don't know what it is but she's always been very you know wanting to make sure everyone's okay and but yeah she's she's so much fun she's always been and she I mean hey she's definitely got her quirky personality as well in there and boy can she talk (laughs) (laughs) oh oh my gosh like like me I'm sure but I guess but uh, oh wow so she's um and she's she's definitely got a fun personality on her but I think the thing that I see most in her Mm -hmm. is just how caring Mm -hmm. she is to everybody yes which is a wonderful Mm. quality yeah especially in you know today's world that's such a beautiful wonderful quality for a child to have I agree I think you know the the world is I mean all kinds of crazy things keep happening in this world that are really you know really really upsetting I think if we can all if there's one thing that we can all hope that our kids will take will will learn and uh, will nurture in themselves is is kindness if they can do that if they can put kindness out into their world and to their to their friends and to their local community I, I just think that's frankly the most important thing really yeah. 
So I, I yeah, I do hope she keeps that and yes. um, keeps spreading the spreading the love. Yes. Um. That that's that's how I think I I think of Ava. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then going into your story, mm-hmm. your pregnancy, the birth of Ava. Um, I mean, where do we start with there? It's a big, it's it's a a big big journey. Yeah, it's a big journey. I guess we can start with your pregnancy. Start at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah, look, it's definitely a wonderful pregnancy for me. I was very lucky to have a great pregnancy. I really enjoyed my pregnancy and I know that's, uh, you know, I know many people will hate to hear that Uh, and I, and I, absolutely sympathize with anyone that has a difficult experience and and all kinds of things because I was lucky to really uh, to to have a a fairly smooth pregnancy I was really able to enjoy that and I am very thankful for that now I was asked I've been asked before and um, you know had I wish I'd known during the pregnancy whether uh, you know about Ava's condition but actually I think the more I think about it no I think I'm, I'm glad that I got to experience the pregnancy the way that I did and and enjoy that um that right it wasn't completely you know no bumps at all of course there's always something along the way but you know mostly I was especially towards the end I was actually at my fittest I think I was swimming every day I just got this I was just loving the that bump and having that feeling I didn't get that feeling of oh get this baby out of me I really enjoyed it and actually I had a lot of Ava was a very active baby very active <laughs> embarrassingly so <laughs> like I'd be in a meeting with at work and the person in the meeting room across the opposite side of the, of the table would be like what oh, is going wow. on with your belly <laughs> so she was a wild one mm-hmm. and I just I fell in love with that time like I would sit there for ages and just watch my belly moving around and feeling her little whatever it was, hands of it, you could almost feel all the bits. So I really, I, I, yeah, I really hold on to those thoughts. And I think that part of the pregnancy was really special for me. Um, it was also very nice to have the bliss of not knowing what was coming, I guess, in a way, because Ava could hear music through my stomach, even though she has hearing loss through sound waves, which is exactly how she hears now. She hears through sound waves going through bone conduction and that's, you know, that's how she she hears. So because she's not, as the definition would say, she's not deaf in that her inner ear, her cochlea does actually function. She just doesn't have access to sound because she doesn't have, uh, you know, ears that we would typically see and, and have an ear canal for sound to access through air. Yes. But being in my stomach, anytime music came on, through sound waves and through like you know when you're underwater you can hear sound in a in a you know in a different way right through yes. that through the sound waves so she was i was very unaware at that time that she had a hearing loss um in fact didn't have ears really and yeah. that's and we can talk about that more in a minute but um yeah her ears have not developed properly and so that was a very strange thing to process for me when she did come out and I was like, how we had, we shared so many special moments together of her. I'm, I was convinced, I was sure she could hear the music because she'd get so much more active. Um, in fact, we went to a concert at one point and oh gosh, she went wild during that. I swear she was dancing the whole way through in my stomach. My whole belly was moving all over the place. Um, 
so yeah, it was. It I guess I guess my point is that when when I was pregnant, I feel like I had a lot of special moments with my belly, you know, which yes. sounds really strange, but I really got to enjoy. I enjoyed all. When she was born, uh, after a quite a difficult labour, seeing her ears and the way that they're shaped, and, and anyone that sees them now knows immediately that, that something is different there. So that was the first amongst the commotion that happened in the in the labour room. There was a few things going on and they couldn't get her to breathe properly at first and so on. So there was a bit going on. But eventually when they sort of sorted her out and, and came and put her on my chest, that was the first time I, I realised that something wasn't quite right and uh, it, it took it took <laughs> quite a few seconds for it to for that to really hit me I think yes just so did she get taken away quite quickly because of the breathing yes she yeah. was still in the same room but kind of on the other side of the room and they were sort of sorting her out and I obviously wasn't able to be by her side then Jonathan was with her yeah and I could only yell across the room to say, is she breathing, is she breathing, is she breathing? And that's the only thing I was focused on. Yes. But, yeah, once they once they figured out, once they sorted all that out and brought her over, I only had a few seconds of that, oh, this is the happiest moment of my life emotion. That was, I only got a few seconds of that because I – imagine that that's what you know I can imagine that you know that's that feeling and people obviously everyone's got very different labor stories and and some people go through all kinds of challenges but for a lot of people I think they get that moment of just holding and and feeling like oh god this is the most beautiful moment of my life and really sitting in that in those beautiful um those beautiful feelings I only got very few seconds of that and then I noticed her ears and I couldn't quite process it I, I thought very naively, I thought, oh, maybe that's what all babies' ears look like when they first come out and then they sort of pop into place or something. Um, but as soon as I looked at Jonathan's face and then asked him, you know, what's what's going on with her ears, I immediately knew from his reaction, from his face. From his face I could immediately tell he wasn't showing the same level of, oh, this is the best moment of my life. He wasn't showing that expression on his face. Yes. He looked scared, he looked sad, and really confused, I think, really shocked. Yes. Yeah. And so that was my first sign of, hang on, what's going on here? Then I looked over at the, um, there was a, a pediatric doctor that had come into the the room to help her with, with the breathing. I looked at his face and I said, what's going on? And I think Jonathan said, um, they don't know yet. And then it really was a blur. I, I really, I just remember my whole body going into what felt like a physical shock. It actually felt like I was electrocuted because I remember that moment where my whole body was shaking uncontrollably. And that lasted for, uh, I can't remember, at least a whole day, if not longer. But I do feel like I felt an electric shock going through my body. It was a very sudden hit. And then just the waves of emotions were coming all over me. And obviously you just think the worst things, really, just your, your mind goes to the worst places and most random thoughts as well. Mostly for me, I think it was blame. I thought maybe I did something wrong or – so, yeah, the that moment was, without a doubt, one of the worst moments of my life, really, and I and I remember it too vividly. Yeah, I was just uh, about to ask, is it something that – a memory or a moment that you go back to? 
like all you think about or as time has gone on, that happens less? For a long time, I tried not to think about it because I just found it so upsetting and so emotional. I have more recently sort of forced myself, I guess, to relive it, rethink it and really try to process every minute of it because it's so vivid in my mind, but I keep trying to block it out. Yes. You know, I went through a lot of struggles for the years after after Ava was born Uh, and because I'd never really been exposed to therapy in my life before and I don't feel like I'd ever learnt healthy ways to deal with emotions, I've always just been known as the happy person. Yes. (laughs) And I was always very good at being the happy person and even putting on the happy mask if I had to. Yeah. So I don't feel like I ever properly learnt to deal with difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really struggling for quite a few years there, especially in the second year of Ava's life. And then obviously COVID hit and all those sorts of things happened and I was really struggling in a lot of silence. Yes. I was trying to keep it all in and that wasn't helping, but I was also trying to avoid thinking about it at all. Yes. Um, but more recently I've, I've, I've forced myself to really – sit with it and think back to that day and in fact I even did a a session recently with my therapist which was very difficult but very powerful and very important and that was actually thinking it through literally second by second reliving it and imagining that I am a sort of second person in the room watching myself as it's all unfolding You know, I was asked to sort of think about what I what I would maybe say to myself in that moment. And that was a very ah uh, yeah, oh, that was a lot to go through. Yes, um, well, it was. It's incredible how if you don't process these emotions, yes, things do get better over time. I think that's I think that's fairly true of most things that things get e- maybe not better, but definitely easier over time. But I'm realizing more and more that if you don't specifically sit in in it and properly make yourself almost analyze it or talk about it and get it all out, then it doesn't ever really go away. No. It just sits there within you somewhere. Yes. And it's going to come out in different ways. And for me, that was through a lot of anxiety. And I've, rem- I've had a lot of challenges with anxiety popping up in – you know, various random moments in my life where to the point that things like I'll be driving along and I remember this happened a lot when I was a couple of years ago, I would be driving along, not doing anything apart from just driving and listening to music or something and out of nowhere an anxiety attack would would appear. And when I say appear, I would mean I had to as quick as possible pull the car over because I could not drive. It was dangerous to drive. I couldn't see through my tears and my sobbing and it would just burst out of me in a really kind of violent way almost. You know, maybe I don't know if violent is the right word there, but it was really like I need to get out, you know, and the more I kept trying to bottle it inside. Yes. Yes, hard. I I think that's a really good point, especially. I mean, around lots of emotions, but like say anxiety, there are multiple reasons for that. But I think what you just—it's—it's like instead of feeling the emotion that we actually want to feel and need to feel, and then hopefully then release in some way by feeling it, people can just get anxious because it's you're avoiding the emotion. 
it's just so instead of feeling that, it just is anxiety. Yeah. It and doesn't go new, away. No, it exactly. Just it comes just, out in a different form. Exactly. And like you said, it just sits there yeah. and you're not, it's not moving through you and you're not processing it. It's just sitting yeah. within you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and even when you think that you're getting past it or you think you're, getting better or that as I said unless until I finally sat with that moment in particular because that was really yes. where my trauma kicked off right and where all of this journey that I that's where everything started in yes. that labor room at that moment when I had all my worst fears of what was about to happen to our lives and to Ava and what all of it meant that is the moment that it really f- felt like the world had kind of the world as I knew it felt like it just kind of crumbled up or burst into something that I didn't know how to handle. And until I sat with that moment and tried to observe it and talk about it and and feel it and get all the, you you can, I mean, you can be sure I cried. Boy, (laughs) did I cry a lot, but I was, wasn't, I I didn't give myself the space to grieve about that moment Mm -hmm. and to cry about those feelings in that time. It was just a general sadness and confusion and it was coming out in different ways. But I didn't realize how important it was that I addressed that trauma. Yes. (laughs) It's given me a whole new perspective to just I guess mental health and mental well-being and something that was as like I said has never been part of my life I didn't come from a family or background of people going to see therapists and things I, I and I and I don't know even how I mean I come from a Turkish background I don't know um, maybe things are different these days but I don't know of many people in our family circle or of people that that I'm aware of that would have gone to therapy or anything like that. So it was, it's very foreign new to me, Yes, but it's made me realize just how important mental health really is. And not just mental health, but allowing yourself the time and the outlets to process things that have impacted your life in, yes. in different ways. I don't know if we, I mean, we are getting better at talking about this more, Definitely the company that I work at, at Salesforce, it's a big tech company and, and they're very good at trying to bring light to these sorts of topics. Yeah. And I think that's been a, a big help for me as well to realize that. But I've, I've gone from not understanding the importance of mental health to suddenly realizing, oh, that's what's been holding me back all these years. Yeah, <laughs> that's why my journey with Ava has been so long and difficult look, there's always going to be some challenges along the way with Ava. We are not done with challenges and her life will have lots of ups and downs throughout it and many more struggles. And I mean, even just recently we've gone through something awful, but that's just the way it's going to be. And I, and I accept that. The difference is if you find ways to, to uh, give space for your mental health and to be able to find tools and methods and outlets and, and, and therapy and ways that you can process these things every time they come up again or present themselves in new ways, you know, then, then you're just going to be able to um, lead a much more, you know, much more manageable, (laughs) manageable life. Maybe I don't know the right way of explaining that part, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel as scary as it once was. Yes. And I think like you kind of were saying with, mental health 
a big part of mental health is having the tools and managing and all of that stuff, which is so, so important. But it's also being okay, I think, in that you will have moments where you, me, whoever, people, the world, will have moments where they just feel like crap or they're sad and or they're angry and it's okay. You just have to feel it and then the tools that you have can kick in and that's where you manage it in inverted commas. But it, feeling it first is almost, that's almost the first step and then all of the other stuff kind of comes after that but the feeling of it is like really important that's the crucial step I agree yeah. I 100% agree with that I basically tried for a very long time to do the exact opposite don't feel it push it down don't yeah. burden anyone around you with your sadness or your grief that was my approach my approach was you are the happy person that's what you do you you are, you know, you're known as that one, uh, that kind of a person. And um, people don't want to see you sad. People don't want to see that you are struggling. Uh, let's not, let's not put that on other people around me. I didn't want to put that on my family. I didn't want to put that on my friends. And in my attempt to keep it hidden away and bottle it down, it just found other ways of um, of of popping up. And the 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 worst part about that is that it was coming up in ways that meant I was suffering in silence and alone. Mm. And I know that that thought breaks breaks the heart of my my, my parents, right, to hear, to hear that right. now. Because for them to think that you were struggling for so long and we didn't even know. Look, it's not that they didn't know completely. I, I, uh, I know, for example, definitely my mum is very intuitive with these, with these things and she can usually pick up on stuff with, with when she sees that something's not right with me. But I wasn't being open with her and, uh, and she probably didn't know exactly how to help the best way. And I, and I, and I completely appreciate that that's, you know, it's, it's a, it was a challenging time for all of us and something that none of us knew how to handle things. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's very upsetting for family and friends right now to hear that I suffered silently for so long, but that's, you know, that, that is what happens if you don't let those feelings out. Mm. It doesn't keep them away. No, yeah, what you, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we just said this, but what you said, it, it just bubbles up in different ways. It's like a, whack-a-mole thing like it just will come up and yeah it might be anger it might be anxiety it might be control whatever but it just comes up in the way that is like safe for you to feel it so if it's like sadness that might come up as anger whatever I don't know it would be different oh absolutely that's a safe you're not actually feeling it but you need to get it out somehow but it's not the actual emotion that you're feeling yeah and it's actually really scary because you know you mentioned anger I've never thought of myself as an angry person at all most things don't really faze me but little things will I'm like come on people I'm a very logical person (laughs) so when people do things that aren't logical I'm like come on please just ask ask my husband he'll tell you all the little details of things in our house that I'm like come on mate all right, but you know, <laughs> apart from that, I'm not someone that wants to. I don't. I don't want to have confrontation. I don't want to get in arguments. I mean, generally, I'm like, let's all just get along. Yes, that was a really interesting experience for me because I went from not really knowing or experiencing much anger 
to feeling angry all the time. And I remember one time, I think it was to my mum actually, that I I'd kind of had like almost like lashed out and just so un- unlike mm-hmm. myself. And I was, yeah, I lashed out at my mum. And again, that's so unlike me at all. We've always had such a great relationship. And I remember apologizing to her and then just bursting into tears. And I said, I didn't recognize myself. And I remember saying, I'm just angry the time and I don't know why I mean I know why in that I've obviously gone through something challenging but there was nothing specific for me to be angry about in that moment and yet when you haven't dealt with things and and, and processed the emotions and, and and given space for your mental health and and well-being to really uh, you know repair Mm, yes repair and 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 thrive again if you haven't given yourself that that space and that time and the tools and resources that you might need to to go through that then suddenly you're experiencing it in ways that as i said i I was all of a sudden i was this angry person and i thought i don't recognize this person and i hate this person that i'm becoming it wasn't the sort of person i wanted to be so it's really quite confronting and scary i think yes because it's just the avoidance of yeah. what you actually need to feel. So I guess on that, what did you need to feel? Like maybe talk a little bit about the condition that mm-hmm. Ava has and then I guess that experience and what you needed to feel throughout the first year in that moment yeah. or whatever. So Ava's condition is called Treacher-Collins syndrome. It's a genetic condition. It's something that, you know, as she was growing, the condition basically stops development of certain parts of her body from the neck up. Luckily, it's not things like her brain or, you know, things like that, but it, it is craniofacial, so neck, face, head, a lot of bone structure things. So it's, um, so, you know, when you see Ava, she looks very different. She's got little ears, she's got a very little jaw. She's got lots of dents in her face where the bone structure hasn't completely developed. Obviously, having uh, little ears and uh, no sort of access to sound, that's when, uh, you know, that's the reason that she has hearing loss and wears um, a headband with bone conductive big devices on her on her head, um, and and uh, which I just think is the cutest thing ever. Uh, and so, yeah, look, she, she does look very different. Depending on the severity of the condition, it can be a really horrible and, frankly, just upsetting and challenging experience for some because the little jaw in particular can mean a lot of challenges with breathing and feeding and uh, therefore needing a lot of surgery and intervention to be able to allow the children to um, breathe and, and feed, you know, the two critical things that you need in life. So it's it's extremely upsetting some of the cases that that we see and um and even some of the children that yeah sadly don't sadly don't survive um so that's that's always hard to uh, that's always hard to process apart from that she it, it doesn't impact you know her cognitive doesn't really impact anything else sort of going forward i guess so she goes to a mainstream day daycare she will go to a day, uh, mainstream school you know in terms of physical abilities and and everything else she is still uh her, her disability is just with her hearing right we'll yes. just put it that way i think yeah her challenges in life are mostly going to be social and that's because of the 
current world that we live in, which is getting a lot better. People are learning to be much more inclusive and have these conversations and, and be educated and have diversity. And uh, But, you know, for now, even though it is much better than, say, back when we were at school, uh, where I think we did many things very poorly, including things like having a complete segregation of anyone that had yes. any additional needs. Yes. I think back to that and just go, what a terrible message to send to everybody, not just to those that had the needs, but to the rest of us yes. who saw it as you don't mix with those children. Yes. That I, I still think about that and go, oh, it just makes me so mad. We are much better these days. And from what I can tell, there's so much more work that's been done to ensure that we are providing the supportive, inclusive environments that means that every kid can be catered for and included. So I think we're, we're on the right track, we yes. really are, but it doesn't mean that we still don't daily encounter yes. stares, comments, questions, pointing, sniggering, you know, all the things that, that upset you as, as definitely as a parent. And Ava is now starting to notice that herself. Up until this point she's been very very blissfully unaware, which has been great for us and knowing that it doesn't impact her. But these days she's starting to ask me questions and say, right. why Why are those people staring at me? And so she's picking up on it now. So, yeah, I guess that's her condition. And, and um, medically we've been very fortunate that Ava hasn't had to have, I won't say any, but very, you know, medical interventions yet. And, we'll, and I guess we'll see what the future brings. In terms of what I what I had to go through and process, I think you were asking me, right, um, especially in that first year. The first year was a big blur of medical appointments. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The first three months I think we were at a different hospital or appointment almost every single day. Because hey, had she been diagnosed? When At what age did she kind of get? I can't remember the exact date, but pretty much just at the hospital actually, pretty much when she was born, almost I think the next day, the pediatric doctor, who's actually the same pediatrician that she still goes to oh, now, um, she had said to us, look, I probably shouldn't say this, but I feel fairly confident that she has a condition called Trichicolin syndrome. We won't know for sure until she goes through genetic testing. And so she went through that testing. And, in fact, Jonathan and I went through the testing as well. Weirdly, neither of us had the gene. So it's just, oh. you know, it was just a know, fluke, if you can call it that. I, I, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yes. Okay. A rare situation oh, wow. okay. for her to have ended up with this gene that's caused um, that's caused this. So we, we kind of had an inclination. Well, I guess we were told that this is probably, probably what it is. But it took many more months before we actually got the genetic right. testing in for it to be confirmed. Mm -hmm. The best thing that she said to us, and at the time I didn't process it properly because I was very much in shock and struggling, but she did plant this seed very early on. And she said to me, she said to us, I should say, um, I want you to avoid looking this up. I mean, like I couldn't look it up for a very long time. I think Jonathan looked it up within about five minutes of walking <laughs> out of that room. But I couldn't look at it online for a long time. She said the best thing to do, I think, is to not try to go through a rabbit hole of finding all the information that might be out there because especially when it's such a rare condition, five babies in Australia a year, oh. such a rare condition, 
there's not much information out there and the stuff that's out there, you know, how accurate is it? Yes. I want you to, she said to us, I want you to just look at Ava as Ava and we will deal with whatever Ava needs, Mm. not about what the condition needs, but whatever Ava needs as things, as, as we need to deal with them. And she also said to us, and it didn't occur, like it didn't sink in at the time, but she did say to me, I now now think back to it. She said, you will need to learn to be Ava's advocate. Mm. At the time I was like, what what do you mean by that? I I, I don't know why, but it didn't really, I guess I didn't, unless I, until I'd lived through some of the experiences, I guess I didn't quite understand the meaning behind that. But she planted that seed very early on, and I'm I'm very thankful that she did because, and this is really sad for me to say, but there was I could sense there was a fear of rejecting Ava because this does happen. People do walk away from people do walk away from their kids in a hospital, and when they see that the ch- the challenge is greater than they think they can manage. And so there was so much we wanted to, we started asking a lot of questions and we wanted some answers and things like that, but they kept trying to just bring it back to right now all Ava needs is her parents, your hugs, and your love. And I remember being like, that's such a weird thing to say. Of course she's going to have that. It wasn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that she wouldn't have those things. So I was really confused by that and why they didn't want to start talking about like the next steps medically. I mean, turns out they were dealing with the next steps medically in the background, yes. but when they were speaking to us, yes. that was their focus. Yes. That and you will learn to be Ava's advocate. Yes. There were two things that just kept coming up. Yeah. And now I think back and realize and go, that's what she was trying to say. Don't don't be, you know, don't walk away from this challenge don't yes. be afraid of what this is going to mean yes take it day by day yes. yes this is scary and this is an unexpected road for you but right now be in this moment with yes. Ava and yes. just give her what she needs and that's you know her loving parents yes so I, I feel like I haven't answered your original oh, it question it's fine. <laughs> but I guess I had to go through all that you know I really yes. had to experience all of the, the 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 feelings of shock and anger and grief and what it meant that she what I thought she was never going to be able to hear and then the idea yes. of okay how are we going to live our life I was ready to quit move you know all of those things yes it really took the first year for me to finally take a deep breath and go, we've made it to her first birthday and she is going to be okay. We are going to be okay. Yes. That's when it finally sunk in and I needed to go through all of that and focus on Ava. Yes. I needed to do that, which is why I neglected myself actually mm. and why my depression only came up in the second year because I was so focused on Ava. Yes. I probably didn't need to dedicate some time to myself in amongst all that, which I didn't. But, uh, yeah, look, that's that's. I, I felt like I really needed to go through that to experience and understand what is it going to mean for me to be, you know, Ava's, you know, obviously her mum yes. <laughs> and the best mum that I can be for her, but also how can I make sure that I am providing the best environment, the best learnings, the best uh 
you know, teaching her confidence and resilience and all of those things, they were going to be really important things that I can, and are very important things for Ava as she's growing up. So just stepping into that role, yes, um, it was, it was an important journey and I'm still going through that journey every day. Yes. And that will always, it will change at various points, you know? Yeah. And so how do you talk to Ava? Firstly, I was going to say, how do you talk to Ava about her condition? But I also, after asking that question, I also want to like sort of caveat almost, and obviously you can answer this because you know more, but also caveat that while we're talking about Ava and her condition, that she's not her condition. Do you know what I mean? Like, like absolutely. I think that's, she's still Ava and yes. she's a person. So like while we're talking about her condition, she's so much more than that. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I just, that's an important point to make I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head in terms of what I think is one of the most important topics that we need to talk about and uh, I'm talking about life in in the world in general I think this needs to come up and have a good long discussion about this because I'm still learning too but it's really important that we find this balance between recognizing and acknowledging and accepting and celebrating someone's condition their differences their disability, as well as seeing that it doesn't define them, but it is part of them. Yes. And it's a beautiful thing for it to be part of them. I never want – so let me give this example. When I've spoken to – I went to Ava's daycare recently and I did a little little day which is to help, you know, spread awareness and education around hearing loss and sign language and things like that. Now, these kids have known Ava since she was one, so they've all grown up together. They don't see Ava's disability. They don't see her as different because they've only ever known Ava. And I think that is a beautiful world for us to be heading into. The more that we can have that where we are not getting caught up on, you know, something the stares and the differences and, and, and fear of someone that might be a bit different to us. I think that's a beautiful world that we're heading into. Having said that, I would never want to remove the education. Yeah. So I was pleasantly and very happily surprised to see that the kids were confused. When, <laughs> yeah. I, said, when I was like, what are these things on her head? Everyone was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yes. well, that's just what she wears. Yes. You know? yes. So I, I thought that was a beautiful thing. I absolutely did, and I love that, and I and I love that they just see Ava as Ava, and all the things that they love about her, and you know that she's so much more than you know her hearing devices, and I love that. But I'm also very conscious that I want that education to be there, and awareness that there is that disability or that difference to support, because. If we want to live in a truly inclusive world where there's no, you know, the, the, there's more sort of, um, there's a lot to learn lately and I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around it too, but, you know, there's a lot of things like ableism and things to, of where are we creating an environment for everybody to be able to live their best self or are we not recognizing when we are creating barriers for certain people, right? So we want to make sure that everybody can live a life in a community in an equal way. Yes. And for us to be able to do that for people like Ava, yes, we want to just see Ava as Ava and we want to celebrate her and everything more that she is, but there is that fine balance of also recognising that 
she does have a condition. She does look different. Um, She will experience challenges that other people don't have to experience. That's unfortunately the way it is. Yes. But even things like, you know, when we are speaking to people with anybody, including Ava, with hearing loss, let's be more mindful of that. It's just why I do this event every year at work as well, right, to raise uh, awareness of how we can be better allies in, in in a workplace, for example. We might have people around us who we're not even aware, but they might be wearing hearing aids or have some hearing struggles. How can we make sure that we're providing environments where you know, if you're holding an event in in an office, don't hold it in the noisiest space with background music yeah. blaring as well, because you're making it challenging for people. Let's always make sure we're including closed captions. Let's, you know, be yes. being more mindful of these things means that we are creating a really nice balance to yes. say we want to recognize Ava as Ava and everything that she is and how beyond her condition. Yes. But we also want to make sure that we acknowledge that and celebrate that and make sure that she is proud of her disabilities and we want to harness an environment around her that she can be the full best authentic self without any struggles and barriers in the way so it's a challenge yes and like (laughs) it is a balance you're not yeah you don't want to be say like um dismiss it or no. say, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing there. You, you oh, know, gosh. like it's that. like my worst thing. I hate when people are like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, there's nothing. She's, you know, she's. No, let's not pretend like she doesn't have a disability. Yes. And I think it's beautiful when people say, oh, I don't see it. And I'm like, well, look, that's a lovely thing that you don't see it. But I also want you to see it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's a yes. <laughs> it's a fine line, and I I yes. don't want to confuse people and think, oh God, I can never say the right things. We're all going to say wrong things. Yeah. Let me put that out there. Don't try to worry about whether you're saying the right things or the wrong things because we are all learning as we go. And the only way we're going to learn is if we actually put ourselves out there and potentially say the wrong things sometimes. Yes. But it is a but it is definitely a balancing act of, yes. of recognizing that we want to celebrate people's similarities and uh, we also want to celebrate people's differences. Yes. It's not one or the other. No, and that's actually for Ava, but just like so in general. In general, like difficult conversations need to be had with someone you don't agree with and you have to, yeah, it's like we're very siloed, I feel, can be, be, in our views and our values and that the group we identify with and all of these things that there's no conversation across the board which just creates further separation. Isn't it interesting you know, that when you think about like work, for example, and many many people will resonate with this, but we'll often try to work or friends, you'll often gravitate towards people that are very similar to you, similar yeah. interests, similar values, similar views, and, and so on, which I get it, and I do it too. Of course. And yeah. it's definitely the easier thing sometimes, and, you know, having those common interests is what, you know, it gives you the fun and the joy and all, and all that connection and, and all of that sort of stuff. But I'd actually cha- actively challenge people to say, can you also ensure that you have people in your life, in your circles that have some level of difference? It doesn't have to be the wildly vast other end of the spectrum if you really feel like you're just going to be clashing. I'm not saying that, but even just things like, you know, if let's say you're working – Thank you. Right. Let's say you let's say you work in a marketing space, for example. Having people 
in your life that work in other areas, other fields and, and things like that, that that's going to bring you so much more richness to your life and to your conversations and things yes. that you can learn. I've had the pleasure recently of getting to meet a lot of people locally who work in areas that I've never been previously exposed to, photographers, uh, you know, creative space as well and, and, and podcast editors and so on, people that I don't really feel like I had the exposure to before. And we do find connections in other in certain things, but then we have a lot of differences. And I find that fascinating. Yeah. It's so nice to learn from different people. And I just think we need more of that. Yes, yes we do naturally gravitate towards people that are similar. Yes. And there's a lot of good reason for that too, especially in terms of values aligned. I can I know that can be frustrating otherwise. But it's also it's also so exciting and interesting to have conversations where there are variations in in views and whether that's political views or yes. religious views or whatever else it might be. Yes. We can all be ourselves. We can all yes. be each other as long as we can hold the space to say, you do you, I'll do me, but let's also learn from each other. Exactly. And yeah. Exactly. And it's okay to disagree or whatever. And I think actually once you start talking to people, even if you have different views – where you're coming from is probably from a similar place, wanting the best for your family, whatever it is. All the important things are still, even if it looks different, it's coming from the same place. Yeah. So instead of writing the person off straight away, if you actually engage and have the conversation, you can get to sort of the why. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sight note. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in your ideal world, I guess, in your ideal world, how would you want someone, I guess, to engage with you or Ava, you know, in terms of understanding more about her or her condition and, yeah, how would that ideal, it's not always going to be ideal, but what would the ideal situation be for you and for Ava in people talking to you about it or the way that you talk about it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's such an important question because I think it's the one that most people want to know the answer to and most people fear and so they avoid it, uh, which actually is the worst thing you can do. Yes. <laughs> so I've always said, uh, I say always, not always, the very first year or so of Ava's life, I mean, don't even bother trying to talk to me. I couldn't get two sentences out about it. But I'm very much in a space now where I am so open to conversation around this and, in fact, encourage it. So obviously, look, everyone's going to be at different journeys and points of their life. And like you would with anything, if you want to talk about something, you know, when you know, you're having a chat with a friend, you might ask them a question about something that you know is a bit upsetting. or so, And you might say the sentence of like, please don't feel like you have to tell me if you don't want to. That's still valid here as well. Yes. And I will, you know, I will absolutely answer you honestly if I'm in the space to talk about something or not. When I think about my interactions, say, in the community, we're out and about a lot. We get a lot of looks. You know, it's it's all just part of the, the norm now. My favourite interactions by far has been when people not necessarily – they're not focused on uh, Ava's condition. Best ones have been when a there'll always be a curious kid. <laughs> You'll see a parent notice their curious kid, and they role model so beautifully by coming over to us, 
rather than trying to push their child to say something or do something or not do something, that's the worst one. When you say to your, you know, stop staring, you know, don't say that, don't do that. But when a parent comes over and just says, hi, how are you? What's your name? This is my favorite interaction by far. It's the best thing you can say. Just treat someone in the community as a friend. You say hi. You will often find that somewhere along the conversation, if it makes sense, sometimes I will end up opening up myself if I feel like I want to. Yes. Without you even needing to ask me anything. Or it will come up in a way, in a much more natural way. But if you feel like... I don't even want to engage because I'm hesitant about what my child might say or if I'm going to say something that will offend. By not having any action at all, then you haven't even given the opportunity for us to create a connection. Yes. And I think that is definitely the thing to avoid, I would I would say. Yeah. So I would rather you created the connection starts start with hi how are you yes yeah (laughs) and let's see where it goes from there it might be that it doesn't come up at all but if you genuinely do want to know and and you want to bring up the topic I would say most people from what I've spoken to you know many people in, in similar situations most people are more than happy for you to ask the question yeah and the question might be as simple as you know, I'd love to learn more. Do you mind if I just ask uh, about your child's diagnosis or about your child's condition? I'd love to learn. Do you mind? Because I'd love to have a conversation with my kid about this at some point. Or or it might be that do you, my child has a question. I've yes. had that happen before. My, 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 do you mind if my child asks a question? And, and usually the question in Ava's case is, what's on her head or sometimes look it's not a nice sometimes like a kid came up to her the other day actually you were there yeah yeah and said to a face you know why did your face look like that I'm not going to say it's not hurtful of course yes. it's hurtful and it's very upsetting but they are kids yeah. and they're curious and that's actually a beautiful thing <gasps> yes I would rather yeah. they had that curiosity and asked the inappropriate question yes and they're children can, they're children you know. that's fine and we can correct it you know that gives us an opportunity to have the discussion so uh, and you would have seen what I how I dealt with that situation at the time was uh just to say oh, do you mean, why does she look different? Oh, yeah, she just looks a bit different because she was born a little bit differently and that's why she also um, wears these things on her head. Did you see? They've got cool stickers on them. And, you know, I just quickly changed the conversation into something else. But because at the time there's only, you know, I don't need to sit there and have a full long education session. But I I love that. I actually love when kids want to engage and they're not always going to say the right thing. But as a parent, if you just come over and say, hi, how are you? And if you, yeah, if you want to ask, then I'm more than happy for you to ask. We will tell you, honestly, we will tell you if we're not in the mood to talk yes. about it. Yeah. You know, I'd rather not get into it now. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. And, and be prepared for that answer, I guess, is my other thing I would say to you. Be prepared for someone to say, you know what, it's been a rough week. I, I don't really want to get into it. That's fine. And you say, that's absolutely fine. No worries. Look, I just, you know, um, I, want to, I want to ask, but no problems at all yes um you know and then move on with something else like, yes oh it's great we're having such nice weather aren't we you know just the classic or just being a connection connection <laughs> as other parents yeah. in the park or wherever yeah we don't need to make a big deal out yeah. of it you know let's just ask let's be open if it if it flows it flows sometimes as i said you'll find that you really don't need to if you, if you don't need to bring it up 
don't bother. Yes. You know, obviously, if you're genuinely interested and maybe there's been a whole bunch of questions on the side from your kid and you want to answer those questions in a correct way, then I really do encourage you to come up and ask because I'd rather you were giving them the correct information. I'd rather you ask than assume. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yes. So I guess that would be my, my ideal thing is just engage. You yeah. know, if, it, if, it, if it's appropriate to talk and ask questions about the condition or if it's come up in the natural conversation, no worries. Great. Even better. Let's talk about it. Let's be open. But beyond that, I think just the most ideal thing you can do is to show your child that we all live here. We're yeah. all, you know, we've got our similarities. We've got our differences. Oh, look, you've got an interest. You both like the, sw- the swings. Great. Yes. You know, awesome. Oh, um, let's embrace those similarities. Let's embrace those differences. Yes. Let's just chat yes. and be two humans in a park yes. having a lovely conversation and that that's really all it needs to be yes i think what you said around um the majority of people i think are good right like course, i think yeah there's odd good intentions but the majority of people have good intentions but it's there probably is that fear around oh saying the right thing and i don't want to say the wrong thing because i'm going to upset blah 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 so then they just avoid yeah but i think how you describe it's really important because it's like we're humans and if you say the wrong thing then you can correct it or say like oh we actually say she looks different you know whatever it is in that moment but I think that's really key because I think people feeling like oh I don't want to say the wrong thing and then so they don't connect or say anything at all just furthers that separation and the divide whereas if it's just like no if you feel like you want to come over come over and we will figure it out in the conversation that we're having. Absolutely. We, I, I can guarantee that if you're talking to a parent that has a child with a difference or a disability, they will help guide you through the conversation. If you avoid it, yeah. you don't learn. Yes. And in the world that's changing, and, and I would say hopefully for the better, it seems like we are getting better the best thing you can do is to continually educate yourself so that you can be better and that you can teach better to and role model to your kids and, and be a better ally. And But by avoiding a situation, not only are you putting up a barrier because, I mean, kids are so intuitive. Yes. They're yeah. going to see that you're avoiding certain kids or yes. families in the playground. They pick up on that yes. sort of stuff. Yep. So if you, and then they learn that oh they I should learn. avoid someone who looks different. Yeah, interesting. If you keep gravitating towards the people that look and sound and act and do things exactly the way that you do, and they're the people you talk to in the playground, the kids pick up on that. Yes. So I think avoiding actually not only means that you don't give yourself an opportunity to learn, but it's also kind of accidentally creating a potential uh, barrier or a unintentional maybe wall of fear or shame or something that, yes. that the, the kids yeah, – and that's – I know, again, everyone has good intentions. No one's trying to do that. Uh, but avoidance definitely sends the wrong message. Yes, yes, exactly. Running away definitely sends the wrong message, which has happened before. And people panic and they and I and you know I can empathize with that too I get it I understand that you you've heard your child say something horrible and inappropriate and you you panic and you want to run away because you don't want to embarrass the family but unfortunately by running away you've actually upset me more yes 
and you've taught told your child that we we it's best not to not to engage so yeah don't avoid yeah <laughs> but that i guess that's where what you're doing in your education and advocacy is important because it's just sharing this information yeah for the people who don't yeah who don't know how to be in that situation yeah. so that's like a really powerful thing that you're doing i mean i want to make it very clear though that one i won't have all the right answers i'm still learning myself and two i was probably that exact same person before i probably avoided i probably you know, went, oh, gosh, don't stare. Oh, gosh, don't look. Oh, let's – I probably did that myself. Yes. What I'm finding now is that by leaning into what has turned out to be a very unexpected road for me, um, by leaning into this, I am living through the knowledge and I'm, I'm gaining it through experience. And so that's why I really am so passionate about sharing it because – None of us, in fact, as you said, majority of people, we don't have bad intentions and it's the fact that we don't know how it will appear to the other person and we and we genuinely want to do things that are not going to upset the other person. Our instincts are to do the kind of, fly, you know, that flight. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Or don't say, don't say anything. Avoid. I can't be in this uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I think we think we're doing it for good reasons. And I, and I, I am sure I must have done the same things along the way as well. I just happen to be in this position now that I am living through this every day and I'm on the other side. I'm walking yeah. in the shoes. And so I feel like I – I don't want to waste this opportunity. You know, I feel like this is why I started doing the advocacy that I am because I really, I, I can empathize with, with the, 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 the parent that ran away yeah. when, when their child called Ava's face weird. I can empathize with that person. I was devastated yeah. and I was upset, but I now see why that father, you know, panicked the way that he did. And I don't blame him. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if he went home and went, oh, gosh, I can't believe I did that. Yes, you know, yes. I wouldn't be surprised. We, we're not out there to, to, to make people upset. But I do feel like I'm in a very unique position now. I say unique. I know there's a lot of people that, that go through difficult journeys like myself, and, I, and I'm all for it. I think the more people that are out there doing advocacy and, and these kind of similar things, are the more of us, the better. Yes. Let's get that content and knowledge out there. But, yeah, I really do think I want to share as much of this as I can because we are all learning. And, I, 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 you know, people are looking at me saying, oh, gosh, you know so well you're doing this. I don't know so well. I'm just learning as I go through it. So I'm stumbling my way through it as well. Yeah. And I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. I'm definitely going to say things that aren't the best as well. And I've, I've definitely said things that I now think back and go, oh, I probably didn't word that quite well. But the only way that you do it and the only way you learn and progress is by sharing experiencing, going through it and putting yourself out there. And um, that's what I'm hoping to be creating more of and just get the conversations happening. Yes. And doing it in a way that is like being a human. Yeah. So being like saying like, like you just said, like I've said the wrong things and and knowing that you don't have all the answers or there is not even one right answer. There isn't. That's the other thing. I mean, I could say what I think is the right thing to say for Ava or what I feel comfortable with. 
but there are so many variations. And that's why the best thing you can do is to just ask someone. Yeah. I'm telling you, people will be so much more appreciative that you've asked the question to say, you know, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to learn. I'd love to understand more. Do you mind if I ask, what would be, what's the, what language do you want me to use? What is the most appropriate way for me to be describing your condition or your diagnosis or um, you know, if you're talking to someone, I've heard this one before, if you're talking to someone that's in a wheelchair, everyone's going to be different. Some might want yes. you to crouch down to their level. Some might want you to stand and not, you know, and yes. ask, just yes. say, just say, Hey mate, I just want to make sure I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. If we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being acknowledging or that I'm being respectful. Yes. Um, you know, I'd love to, yeah. you know, do, do you want me to, do you want to stand? Do you want to sit? Like, you know, and I think the fact that you've asked the question. Yeah. People are going to just appreciate that. Yeah. Well, also I imagine it, it then makes them feel seen because when you're a void, you're, you're not Agree. actually seeing the person. Agree. Agree. And that goes back to what I was saying before about finding that balance of, oh, I don't see your disability. Well, no, please see it. Yes. You know, yes. We want you to, we want you to see me for me yes. and more than my disability, but we also want you to say, I'm not going to pretend like it's not a thing. Yes. Yes, because that's not creating, that's not showing your support and your acceptance as well. So we we really want to create that balance. But I think in our minds, we think it's going to be so much of a more, you know, it's a really difficult conversation. Just without making a fuss, just have a really open, relaxed, casual question, you know, casual conversation. You know, look, I just don't want to offend. Can, you know, please just help me with the right language. I just love to make sure I'm saying the right right thing here, and that's only if it makes if it's necessary. Yes, if I it's see. not necessary, if it doesn't come up, just talk to the, to people like they're human. Yeah, you know, no need to talk differently, or to talk louder, or to talk to you know, uh, thinking that they can't speak for themselves or any of that. So it's best to just in that case, yeah, just speak to them as they're human. But if it's if it is really necessary, then also acknowledge the the the, the disability as well and. Um, that you that you want to be doing the right thing and yeah. that you want to learn and you know if you if you make a mistake don't worry yeah we'll correct you and we'll move on and you'll get oh thank you thanks sorry about that no worries great and we move on yes. and you learn for next time yeah. yeah it's really um helpful but also kind of empowering having that information I think, I think the first time as well will be the most daunting right to to say that but once you've done it once. And, uh, you know, if you see me around, she's in the Northern Beaches, come on by, say hi. And yeah. I think once you've just had one of those conversations, you'll be like, oh, what was I worried about? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're just a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Ava's just a little kid who loves doing everything that your kid loves doing. Yeah. And, yeah, let's let's chat about it so we can all learn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, two last questions, if that's okay. <laughs> one, just like – so the advocacy, advocacy, I can't say that. No, Advo- it gets advocacy me every time. <laughs> work that you're doing is quite new, mm-hmm. I guess, last few yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. What has that for your own journey, mm-hmm. healing, processing, whatever it is, has that been an important part of that? I guess what has it, obviously it's bringing a lot to Ava and just the world in general, but what has it done for you yeah. and your own sort of healing? Mm-hmm. I have been doing little bits and pieces over the years. So, for example, the the event that I hold, uh, I've been holding an event every year in October at at work called Loud Shirt Day. So that's been my little 
pockets of doing advocacy, and that Loud Shirt Day is for hearing loss and for raising funds for children with hearing loss. So little pockets of things every now and then. But, yeah, as you said, in the last few months is really when I've gone, I think I have something here to put out into the world that, to the community that could be really positive, that could be really helpful. And as I said, being in a, in a unique position to have had this lived experience, I feel like sharing my perspective uh, is is something that I, I will, something that I feel very passionate about, I guess. So, I mean, one, one of the values that I sort of live by is impact. I always want to feel like I'm having a positive impact, whether that's, you know, just at home with my friends or with Ava or, or on a bigger scale, if that's putting any kind of positive impact, whether that's donating to charities or whatever, if I feel like if I can live my life in a way that always thinks about how am I having impact, I don't know, I feel it really drives me. You know, that's something that's, that's, that's that, I, that I really try to live by. And more and more I'm finding that having that as a way to – be my kind of north compass, if you will, my yes. kind of direction, then it feels like I'm, I'm generally on a good path. That's how it feels. So in the last few months since I've poured myself a little bit more into trying to create a platform for it and put out more things out there, there it kind of it happened very organically, accidentally, I, w- I would even say, where sort of certain conversations led to me creating a, an Instagram and, um, and you know, doing podcasts and things like that. But actually, originally, I also was thinking, this is going to be really good for me. If it can help more people, amazing. If it can help even one person, amazing if I can answer a question for someone and it makes them feel like they can walk into their day feeling more confident about something or like that they have the right language or then then I feel like I've done something great and had a positive impact so that is my hope and that I hope I can reach far and wide and and help many many people but definitely on the on the flip side of it it is also very much for me Mm -hmm. and it's so therapeutic and as I've said, you know, I, I realized the importance of me processing the emotions of the, the, the day that Ava was born, but I've got many more moments <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> along the way in this journey. And this has now become a little bit of my own outlet. Yes. And there's many bits and pieces that I'll slowly, you know, put out there into the world, but there's also things that I might just get out there and then it's mostly just for myself. And so it really is a healing process. And I mean, I guess it <laughs> I haven't discovered anything new. I mean, therapy has been out there for a long time. I'm just late to the party. <laughs> yes. But turns out it's quite helpful. Folks, turns out that talking <laughs> is a really powerful thing. Yes. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. So actually I'm not wise at all. I very much am uh, and uh, you know, I'm behind on this stuff, but uh, yeah. It has definitely been a very healing process for me and, and a great way for me to uh, help myself to uh, sit in those difficult times and those moments and go, okay, what did that mean for me? How am I feeling about that now? What did I learn from that? Uh, and what can I take out of that and potentially put it back into the yes. into the community in a positive way? Yes. I think um, unplanned at the beginning we were talking about music and what that means for you. And I think I think that was actually like obviously it was unplanned, but I think that was actually a really 
poignant. I don't know what the word is, but way to start because it's like you are also still yourself mm. amongst all of this, yeah. you know. So it's it's I don't know. I don't know. I just think that that's like important to remember. That you this is. Like we were saying, this is just one part of your life. Yes. And you still, and this is a big part of your life, an important part of your life, mm-hmm. but you are still you. Yes. And you may have changed and you will change as everyone does. But, you know, I don't know. Oh, I uh, I completely agree. And I think that's what I was missing for so long as well because I was so focused in that first year on Ava and what she needs and the medical stuff. I forgot me. I forgot to give myself the time the the space the I just I forgot who I was and I did for so long did not recognize myself and that is a scary thought to think back now and I go who was that person and and the fact that most people wouldn't have even known because I was so good at putting on a mask yes but deep down I was hurting and I did not recognize who I was and I I knew how to put on the act so that it wasn't too noticeable to noticeable to other people, but it was an effort yeah. to do that. And, and through this journey, I'm realizing that I'm not the same person. No, I can't be. No, no, you know. And no. and especially when you've gone through a trauma, and I think this has been described to me in such a beautiful way. You, when you go through a trauma, and uh, I, it's um. It's it's like you as a person get shattered into a bunch of pieces. Imagine like a glass breaking and someone explained this to do, describe this to me and I was like, yes, this is how it feels. So imagine a glass is broken and you've shattered yourself into a number of pieces. Over time as part of the healing, it's realizing that that glass will never be the same again. Mm. Right, it will never be the same shape. It will never. However, there might be some beautiful pieces of it that you still want to bring back and keep and yes. use in the new glass that you. Maybe glass was a bit of a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, let's say you broke it. I don't know something else that you feel like you can then recreate again later. Yes, and it's a new version. Yes. It's yeah. not going to be the same. It can't be the same. No. It shouldn't be the it same. It shouldn't be the same because that's inauthentic or Absolutely. And you've grown and learnt all kinds of things, but you you end up taking some of those pieces that you pick up. You go and you pick up some of those pieces from the floor of like the salvage. You know, not salvage, but that sounds really morbid, but in the pieces that you love the most, I yes. guess. And you want to keep that little part because it had the really nice little flower on it or, the, you know, well, I don't know, I'm yes. just making it up. But I guess you can pick up some of those pieces and use them to create the new version. Yeah. And once I realized that that's what I was going through and realizing that, oh, I won't ever be my old self but I can be a new new version of myself that has pieces of my old me but also a lot of stuff that I've grown and and uh you know changed over time so it's yeah gosh I can't even remember what your question was but it is an important healing process (laughs) it It really is and um yeah I think I don't know I, I think it's uh it's 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 a wild journey. I think when you go through something that changes you quite so much, there is obviously all the shock and everything that comes with it. But once you, if you can have the right support around you, and this is the important part, right? Don't do what I did. Don't suffer yeah. in silence. If you can be open to help, if you can be open to 
putting the right people in your life that can be there for you and the right tools and so on and and getting through that period and it's gosh it's going to you know it takes time and it's in different ways and waves of things as well that will come through but at the end of it hopefully you'll end up with something even more beautiful or, or something that you can really be proud of what you've come out of as the other end. Yes. And I feel like that's where I've landed recently. Yeah. I think it's such a nice oh. place to end. <laughs> I think uh, I think I honestly could buy a glass with 500 more questions. I know, I say, <laughs> well, we have to cut this otherwise we're talking for hours. But I think that's a really, yeah, it's just a really, powerful place to end it's a it's a nice place to be in because it's taken me a while to get to this point yes but it is nice to think when I thought I was not going to be able to recognize myself again to to now be at a point where I am feeling like all kinds of new things about myself yeah I think you're right it's it's a nice it's kind of the start of something new so I guess yeah yeah, let's let's see what the next chapter brings (laughs) exactly and you might the vase might shatter again. It might. I'm sure it will. But it will all it will come back together in a slightly different way. And exactly. I maybe knowing that it will come back together yeah. is just knowing that. Yeah. And that you will find that new version again or what you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Then that's having that trust is mm. yeah, important. Yeah. But I think also remembering and this would be my biggest takeaway from all of this is realizing that time is very crucial to all this. You do need time to heal, but you also shouldn't be trying to heal on your own. Yes. I think that's probably the thing that made my journey take longer than it necessary, I guess, or be more painful than probably was necessary. But, yeah, you don't need to suffer on your own or in silence. Help, let others or tools or other people or, you know, therapy, whatever, whatever else it might be, whatever you need, let those supports be there to help you build that vase again. Yes. You know, yeah. So that you can, you know, but you're going to be a pivotal, you know, you're crucial to that, to that repairing. Absolutely. No one can do the repairing like yourself. You have to be there as part of that. Yes. But it's all right to let others also help you get through it. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and that you really got some super valuable information from it. I think what Celine is doing and what she talks about is applicable to people with disabilities and kids with disabilities and making the world yeah, more inclusive and acceptable for all. And it's also just about being a human who's talking to another human. And I think that can sometimes be easy to forget, but I think Celine yeah, talks about that in such a beautiful way. So please share this. I think this is such a great one to share because there's so much amazing info in here, both from Celine's advocacy work, but how we can overcome pain and, you know, unexpected things in life. So yeah, please share and let me know what you think.